Well, good morning, everyone. It is so incredible to be standing up here in this very moment. I may actually cry. <laughs> um, you know, 10 years ago, wow, has it been so long? I feel old. <laughs> 10 years ago, I graduated from Southwestern Adventist University and my years here, though it was only two because I was a transfer, my years here were phenomenal. And um, the professors really sharpened my academic growth, but most importantly, my spiritual growth. And as I stand here today, I'm actually reminded of a time that my dad, um, who is chaplain uh, Howard Miles Bankston, he's one of three directors of chaplain supervisors in the Army now, but I am reminded of a time when he stood up here to give a sermon, and I was just a little girl, and he was preaching a sermon called, We All Need to See Jesus. It's just very honorable to stand up here. And uh, today, um, you know, I had a title of a sermon, I had a direction with where I was going to go with this, but I'm going to kind of trust the waves of the Holy Spirit as I talk this morning. Um, some of you guys uh, have, uh, some of you guys are aware that I have just recently recovered from COVID, and so I am actually navigating through brain fog. If you've had to do that, um, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So this whole process of trying to craft a sermon, you know, is without my own human effort. I'm having to trust the Holy Spirit and let whatever happens comes. But before we begin, let's, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, God, you are awesome. Thank you so much for your goodness, for your goodness that capitalizes on top of itself. We thank you, God, for this opportunity that we have to gather in a place that feels like home. God, I ask that you be with me as I deliver this message that you have prepared. I ask, God, that as we are in this space, in this very moment, here and now, that you speak to all of our hearts, including my own. We love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to begin this morning with telling you the story of a young girl. Some of you may have heard of her before. She actually lived just a couple of states above us here in Texas on a little old farm out in the country with her aunt and uncle. Her aunt and uncle had taken her in after her parents had died. Now, this young girl was known to be innocent, compassionate, and bold in character, but she would often dream of a home that was well beyond her current one, often singing a tune that went alongside somewhere over the rainbow. And I'm not gonna sing it because I'm not Sheena here or Candace. <laughs> somewhere over the rainbow. When running errands or moving to and fro upon the land, she was often accompanied by a little black dog, otherwise known as Toto. Well, in the story, a severe tornado rips through the land and this young girl and her little black dog are whisked away into the air. 
She eventually wakes up and finds herself in a completely different land. And she is so convinced that she and Toto have finally made it over the rainbow. But almost immediately, she begins to miss home. I am sure by now you would have guessed it. This girl is the very well-known girl, Dorothy Gale, from Frank Baum's 1900 Children's American Fairy Tale, later followed by a 1939 film adaptation, The Wizard of Oz. Now, when Dorothy awakes in this new and foreign place, she is both stunned and fascinated by what she sees. A near perfect world full of vibrant color and little munchkin people. In order to return back home, she must embark on a long and arduous journey following the yellow brick road in the land of Oz. It is essentially the story of a heroine's quest, where Dorothy Gale must find her way home. Now, along the way, she comes across three interesting companions. One, a scarecrow who is made of straw and longs desperately for a brain. Oh, that sounds like me right now, actually. <laughs> Two, a tin woodman who is made out of tin and longs desperately for a heart. And three, a cowardly lion who longs to have courage. With the Wicked Witch of the West as their ultimate antagonist, this unique group of individuals finds themselves encountering many obstacles along the way. Poppy pollen that lulls them to sleep. Flying monkeys that try to separate the group from each other and even themselves. And along the journey of following the yellow brick road of which they were instructed, viewers of the film as well as readers of the fairy tale story see that each character is challenged to grow in their own unique identity. Now, for those of you that know the story, we all know what happens at the end of the fairy tale. The scarecrow realizes he had a brain all along. The tin woodman realizes he had the heart he longed for. The cowardly lion grew into the courage that he wished he had. And Dorothy realized she had home all along. At the end of the story is when she clicks her red heels three times, finds her way back home, saying over and over again, there's no place like home, there's no place like home, there's no place like home. Now, if you were ever an English major, any of you guys English majors, current or past? <gasps> Standing ovation, I am the only one? All right, okay. Well, then you were under the incredible, or I was, I guess, under the incredible mentorship of the English department here at Southwestern Adventist University. In my case, that amazing cohort was Dr. Susan Gardner, Dr. Carl Wilcox, Dr. Judy Lowey, Dr. Renard Dineski, and Dr. Andrew Woolley. These professors had taught me as well as my fellow colleagues to look beyond the text to search for a certain thing 
to be learned, that there was always something to be gleaned. And it, actually, it's a concept pulled from 14th century medievalist, philosopher and poet Geoffrey Chaucer. Yes, I went there. I'm an English nerd. <laughs> he talks about this certain thing to be learned in his Hall of Fame. Now, as we unpack secular texts during my cohort 10 years ago, we were also making a lot of deep spiritual connections. And what I find fascinating with Frank Baum's fairy tale is how Dorothy's story is actually very similar to that of a Christian's journey of following the path of God home. I wonder how many of us, like Dorothy, finds ourselves longing for something more something just over the other side of the rainbow. You know, when I was young, I was actually, well, and if you knew me, some people know me here, I was a huge daydreamer. In fact, my persona in general would often get me in trouble. <laughs> um, my dad would often talk to me and then he'd realize I'm not listening and so he'd say, oh, there she is in fairy tale land again. Literally, those were his words. And dad, if you're listening, yes, I quoted you. I'd also get in trouble for daydreaming, um, ironically, in math and science courses. So if any of you guys are in the humanities field, it's like, whoa, okay. Professor, not a professor, but a teacher would call on me and um, ask for me to answer a question. And I was such in a daze, literally, that I could not answer because I was literally daydreaming. Daydreaming was something that I enjoyed doing. And, um, I was always daydreaming of another place as well. Similar to Dorothy, someplace over the rainbow, and perhaps that's you too. You know, I also wonder how many of us, like Dorothy, finds ourselves caught in the whirlwinds of life that, that try to thwart us from living in the present of where we are at currently vacillating between the past of what once was and the future of what could be. Or maybe like the scarecrow who longs for a brain and the tin woodman who longs for a heart, we find ourselves caught in the if-onlys in life. If only I had this, then I could do this. If only I was here, then I could do that. What are the if-onlys in your own life that keep you stuck in the past or stuck in the future, but never truly living in the present? When I think about that, I think about the Israelites in the Bible who God had freed from Egyptian bondage, who would state, if only we were still slaves under Pharaoh, then we would dot, 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 you fill in the blank. I offer you that God calls us out of our comfort zones because the plans he has for us are to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us hope and a solid and better than we could ever imagine future. And yet some of us may find ourselves still slaves navigating through this life, slaves to something rather than embracing Romans 8.37 that says we are more than conquerors in Christ who loves us. So what do we do? We settle for less. 
So I wonder how many of us are similar to Dorothy in that aspect. I also wonder how many of us, like Dorothy, find ourselves walking down our own brick road that seems arduous in nature and seemingly never-ending, and yet it is on this very road of life that we must walk in order to become the best versions of ourselves that God has called us. And I wonder how many of us, like the cowardly lion, finds ourselves trying to avoid the path we are called to take because we are too scared to believe in a God who truly wants to bless us with good things and lead us to the promised land, home. You know, Joshua 1.3 states, every place you set foot, I will give you as I promised. Do you believe that? Perhaps the only thing holding us back from receiving God's blessing is our own self-doubt and disbelief in a God that truly wants to give you good things, that he will provide for you every step of the way as you journey down your own yellow brick road. We ask ourselves, could it be that such a person exists? And even in our own human brokenness, we answer no when we choose to live in fear like the cowardly lion. Yet, he joins Dorothy along the journey. Well, church, let me ask you, where is the road on your journey leading you? And what does the road on your journey currently look like? Can we trust that when God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future, that he really means it. I can tell you that I personally have had difficulty with that verse. If I had told you 10 years ago today that I would be standing here speaking to you all, you would not believe me. Actually, I wouldn't even believe myself. I didn't know that 10 years ago, God had planned to lead me down a path that would cause me to switch majors from biology to English. I had no idea that by doing so, I would have fallen under the mentorship of an amazing English department cohort that really pulled me alongside their journey and showed me Jesus. I didn't know that later after graduating from Southwestern Adventist University, that God would lead me down a path to becoming an educator and working with high school kids. That was the last place I wanted to be. I don't know how your high school experience was. I went to public school. <laughs> um, but they were devastating years. And so the irony that God had put me in a classroom and was telling me, here it is, Jazz. This is who you are. And I was like, wow. OK, well, thank you for, thank you for telling me as I'm trusting you down my own yellow brick road. And most recently, I received a call to another position, but it's not being made public yet, and it will soon, and I am baffled that God would even call me to that. So many times I have found myself running away from the path that God has desired for me. And I wonder if it's the same for you. 
There have been many significant times in my life when I have been too scared to journey down the yellow brick road. Large hills seemed endless, valleys dark and dense, spiritual whirlwinds that really threw me up in my own home and tossed me back down, metaphor. But by God's grace, here I am, and here I am to testify to God's grace. On the yellow brick road, I have come to know God so intimately in a way that I probably wouldn't have if I had tried paving my own path when spiritual whirlwinds hit. Similar to when Dorothy's life was thrown into a spiritual whirlwind. There was a time that I had actually tried several years ago um, that nearly took my own life. I don't know what your spiritual whirlwind is on your own journey. Maybe it's a financial spiritual whirlwind. You don't know how to pay for next month's rent. You don't know when your next meal will be. Maybe your spiritual whirlwind on your own journey is you struggling with perfection, and you think that you have all the answers to life better than the person sitting next to you or the person sitting behind you. What are you battling? Maybe your spiritual whirlwind is your marriage on the brink of divorce. Maybe it's a never-ending battle with anxiety and depression, or maybe PTSD. Maybe your spiritual whirlwind is dealing with stage four cancer or a loved one dealing with stage four cancer. Maybe your spiritual whirlwind is being trapped in some kind of abuse, but you don't know how to get out. Maybe your spiritual whirlwind is battling over custody over your children. Maybe your spiritual whirlwind is asking God how you could lose your child to suicide. I don't know what spiritual whirlwind you're caught in as you're thrown on this path, but I do know for sure that God is a God of restoration. And as you are walking home, you are in the process of becoming the best version of yourself. The verse for today is Philippians 1.6. Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Can you believe that sitting here, right here and right now, that you can say confidently that you are being made new in him each moment? This very minute, the next minute that has passed, and the minute that will pass after. What I have realized over time is that being hard-pressed on every side has only actually narrowed me, my focus to see God's light. And I would not have been able to see it if I didn't undergo dark seasons. Point people were placed in my life. I see the time. Point people were placed in my life to help me on my journey, very similar to Dorothy's companions. Although they weren't lions and tigers and bears, they were actually people. Whether it be family, 
who helped me get out of a very dark hole in a season of my life, whether it be significant friends that helped me batter, battle um, a 10-year eating disorder, whether it be spiritual mentors who would lean in during difficult seasons of my life and remind me of the resilience that I was building day by day. I don't know where you are at in your journey of life, but I will tell you that the good work God has begun within you will carry it to completion. And you can be confident in that and not ashamed. Our walk forward, our journey forward, is a journey of becoming more and more like Christ's character. And as I stand here in integrity of this present moment, I am reminded that if it weren't for the people that I met along the road of my own journey, companions, disciples for Christ, you could say that I wouldn't be here to take in this beautiful moment and this sight. I can only imagine that as looking at all of you right here and right now, it is just a glimpse of what the banquet table in heaven will be like. I can hear God's voice now saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I hope that you can too. And I hope that when you are asked the question, where has the road on your journey been leading you? That you are able to answer heavenward, home, a place where I long to be and a place where I long for you to be too. Thank you.